Welcome to Sci-Fi Tech Talk, the podcast where we explore the technology of sci-fi. I'm Julie Keel, and with me today is Mike McPeak. Happy holidays. And Jeff Sire. Hello, everyone. And there's no synopsis, because we're doing something totally weird today. We're just going to muse a little bit about First Contact. We've done many shows at this point that have dealt with this topic of First Contact, and there's just a number of ways it's been portrayed to go down and um you know it's all we it's interesting though too because uh first contact has always been this kind of big fiction thing um but so has you know life on mars which is a thing <laughs> you know yeah, we, water we off got... off planet which is also a thing. I mean, all these things that we used to say, you know, Earth is unique and special because of this, that's completely blown out of the water. So, you know, the whole thing of first contact, while it's still fiction in our world, you know, every time they discover something new on Mars or Europa or even the moon, mm. um, it becomes more plausible. Yeah. It's so like we got- every day that goes by, we get further along or further maybe away from science fiction and closer one day closer to science fact Fact. yeah (laughs) right well we just got news this week that mars is burping methane so that may mean there's organic life or something there the whole planet's an organism and it's that's uh something that uh, i was actually thinking about bringing up and i I didn't think we'd come up this early but (laughs) i think we're kind of a uh with regard specifically to methane um, I think we're kind of victims of kind of like a global mindset. Yeah, like chemistry is founded on, uh, well, kind of predicated with the idea that there's organic and inorganic chemistry. And the further further along we go, we're like, there probably is an inorganic or, or like we, it's an artificial division that we've yes. made because that was one of the things that like oh well and it's it's been for a long time oh we see methane on some other planet there must be life there and the further along we go like that's probably not a predicator because it seems like there's something going on even in the earth's crust that's producing these what we used to consider organic chemicals like methane and it's probably not based strictly on life there's some there's there's processes that are happening in either the upper mantle or the crust of the earth that are creating some of these things and we don't understand them yet because we're finding them in places like like you said like with Mars and with some of the moons of uh, Saturn and Jupiter where they as far as we understand organic and inorganic chemistry they probably sh- they shouldn't be there um, so I, I that was one of the things I, w- I was thinking about bringing up was that uh, the difference between organic and inorganic chemistry, that's probably something that's going to go away. I, I would say definitely in our lifetimes, but I bet in the next 10 years, that's something that will just kind of like, there's not really much of a di- or it, well, For all I know, for people who are in the chemistry field, it might have actually gone away already. Yeah, but I suspect it will also stick around because, good God, please don't cram that into one semester in college. <laughs> Those two need to be split out, okay, please. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I got to thinking about that in, in little different terms. Like, you know, when we watched the uh, Andromeda strain where they found that um, uh, bacteria, I believe it was, or was it a virus that they brought back to Earth and, it, you know, infected and started killing people. You know, potentially, you know, not on that kind of scale, but potentially maybe we've had, you know, depending upon how you define first contact, we may have already had that because there may have been, po- you know, 
possibly there could have been some organism that wrote in on a meteorite or something and you know we've made contact with it, or not made contact but you know it's we've um, ingested it or whatever and you know and dealt with it but you know so maybe we already technically had it but when it comes to intelligent life now that's a whole different yeah story. and that's that's the thing when we talk about first contact we immediately at least you know science fiction buffs bring this thing about aliens you know like humanoid aliens you know right. um that we're going to they're going to show up on spaceships and they're going to walk off and one potential first contact scenario is you know they're going to walk off and say take me to your leader and that's uh, really? I mean, um, yeah. can we just say that's probably how it's not going to happen? <laughs> yeah, if you, I think I think you're probably right. If we had to pick one, that's probably one of the least likely. You know. Yeah, really. Because that kind of um, is built on the idea that we're worth talking to. <laughs> right, and that well. somehow we're on the same level of, as that, yeah. you know. Because, like, yeah. you know, how how much interest do we take in ants or mice or you know i'll, I'll give star sort of... trek one bit of credit the the horda um uh, dead in the dark that's what it's called anyway evil in the dark something like that devil in the dark. devil in the dark there ah. you go thank you um they that was one of the first ones where they started to talk about something that life forms that were not carbon based um and that's that's something that you know again it's kind of just general assumption that life on earth is going to be the same as life everywhere you know um but no it's probably going to be based very differently matter of fact there's you know there's there's a whole um field of study called what's it called exobiology xenobiology yeah. of you know trying to figure out what life would actually be like on different planets with different atmospheres and different gravity yeah. pulls and different day night cycles temperatures all that kind of stuff which is you know yeah if you're a, a product of your environment you, you're going to be things could be very different well yeah, this I, is a conversation that, that kind of spills over into what is life and, yeah, uh, which, right. oh, like that, and yeah that's that's gotten grayer all the time too right yeah well and i was reading something this morning i don't quite remember at all but they said in all likelihood uh life will Po- uh, probably be carbon based because carbon will combine with so many different substances um, more readily than others. So there, uh, I like I, said, I don't remember the whole article, but I do remember that one little tidbit that since it combines so easily, that uh, there's a good chance that it would be carbon based. But I don't think they said it would be exclusively. Uh, yeah, there yeah. are some perhaps immutable things, although I don't think we know everything yet. But to some extent, chemistry is chemistry. Yeah. You know, whatever planet you're on, the speed of light is the speed of light. And I will be the first to argue that I don't think that's a barrier because the minute we say it is, it won't be. I, I just, I, too many well, things we've said, like there's not something there's like, no water anywhere other than the planet Earth. Um, excuse me? So When we were kids, yeah. that was something that, you know, talking about, you know, travel at the speed of light or travel to, you know, another star or something like that. My perception of that as a kid is just kind of like, well, that was just dismissed as, you know, that's just never going to happen. Right. And you don't hear scientists saying that anymore. No. Like it's, it's definitely not any time close, but you don't hear scientists saying, well, that will never happen. Well, like, if we've you, learned nothing, we should <laughs> yeah. not ever be using absolutes. We should never say yeah. never. <laughs> um, the, the speed of light might be a constant. It is a thing. But I'm not yeah. going to say there's nothing beyond it. I just... I'm and you certainly... We're even to the point now where 
it, it's not even really considered far-fetched to the idea of us constructing like a generation ship, a ship that was would be so huge you could, you know, have several thousand people live on it and it would take several thousand years to travel to another star, even at the, you know, the speeds that we could attain today, right? It's just, yeah, no, that's more a matter of economics than anything yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah Anybody exactly. wants to pay for that, there's, believe yeah. me, there's takers. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, the first contact has been portrayed in science fiction for, like, eternity. Um, it's almost one of the first things that it, it deals with. And there are some classics out there. Um, everything from, the uh, what was it, the day the Earth stood still where the, the spaceship came down, flying saucer yeah. came down and said, you know, take me to your leader. And then there's things like, oh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. There's, well, you could argue there's E.T., there's um, so many. Um, the last starfighter to go on the other yeah. <laughs> extreme. Um, they, they, I mean, wow. There's there's so many, you don't even know where to begin. Plus, you know, okay, there's a Star Trek one called First Contact. So, yeah, that's kind of my one of my favorites because <laughs> it involves, you know, like crazy people in the mountains playing rock and roll. Um. Yeah, and you know, and I like the uh, the take from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy that we're the third most intelligent uh, beings on this planet. We just don't realize that uh, mice and dolphins are smarter than we are. So there you go. Maybe there's already uh, more intelligent life here, and we don't know it. See, and actually, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, being you know funny as it is, also pre- presents one potential first contact um, yes. scenario where we just get plowed over because yeah. you know, yes. we're in the we're, way. We're in the way. <laughs> Uh, oh, excuse us. Boom. You know. Yeah, we are here to blow up your planet. Please, you have th- uh, 10 minutes to evacuate yeah, or whatever. 10 minutes to have lunch and then you're <laughs> well, what, done. What's wrong? These 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 uh, plans have been in the local planning office at Alpha Centauri for the last 50 years. You could have looked at them at any time. Right. <laughs> Great. We're going to get we're going to get killed by bureaucracy. Right. Probably. <laughs> That's scary. Somebody looked up a bunch of hypothesis and dropped it in our notes. What are all of these? Well, it was an article I came across at uh, Furious Fanboys, and it just seemed to kind of cover some of the things that we are uh, um, uh, talking about right now. And uh, it just seemed like a good place to – they they threw out some theories. So like the first one here, you have the Hawking hypothesis that um, our first contact is going to end badly for us. Basically, you know, either like Hitchhiker's Guide where we get mowed over, we get taken over. Um, Yeah, that's that's the one that's basically, you know, it is the Hawking hypothesis, but he compares it to essentially like Native Americans where, you know – yeah, so, it's not just Native Americans. Like his any, his any, proposal yeah. is yeah, an, the me the first contact between any two cultures of different technological levels never results in a good situation for the less Lesser, advanced yep, one. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, then the next one we got here is the H.G. Wells hypothesis, which is basically they come to Earth, we're not prepared, but because of something in our atmosphere, they end up, uh, you know, or something that they're not prepared for, they end up being defeated and we are saved by accident. Right, some yeah. quirk of Earth. Yes, bacteria, or maybe it's the atmosphere, or some condition they hadn't uh, anticipated. Um, which kind of assumes that these are the... the uh, 
the poorest planning aliens ever <laughs> that they would come all the way here and then like, oh, hey, they have this thing that's poison to us. Well, you know, yes and no, because you don't know what you don't know. And if, if they came from someplace where there was no such thing, you would not know to even look for it. You might be more cautious than jumping off, you know, ripping off your helmet and just wandering the planet. But um, if you don't know what to look for or what might be there, or what might harm you, you know, that's, I could, I could see that not being poor planning, but just simply being so different from where, you know, they came from that they had no clue. Yeah, again, again, it's going to boil down to the environment. Yeah, what's theirs versus ours? Um, yeah, and in that one, I think they just shot themselves towards Earth here in big old bullets, and, you know, they landed here. And, uh, I don't, you know, they they never said if there was any advanced uh, scouting or not going on, but, um, and they were leaving a dying planet, so I guess they figured anything was better, but. Yeah. Um, the next hypothesis we got here is the Roland Emmerichs, which is basically uh, Independence Day, where the aliens come, but we fight back, and we eventually prevail uh, against a superior force by, you know, maybe some quirk or accident or something like that. Because, you know, honestly, I mean, if we got aliens landing here, they're probably going to have a technological advantage over us. It's just going to be some quirk, you know, again, the, uh, on our part, some strategy that they weren't anticipating that we end up winning. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't hold my breath on. Yeah. Right. For our chances. Well, well no, but there's always that, um, you know, there's the the Achilles heel thing that, you know, you, you can find their weakness. Maybe you can defeat them. Uh, like, say, you know, on Independence Day, all they had to do is take out the, uh, the master brain or whatever, and then everybody just shuts down and the whole system collapses and it's in, instant uh, win. So. That's That's a trope. That's a very common it, trope of yeah. like the. You know, the incredibly sophisticated aliens with one glaring weak point that somebody's able to exploit. Right, I mean, Lord. Yeah, the Death Star. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, yeah. can we please go there? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. You know, and then the, the hypothesis I think a lot of people hope for is uh, the, Rod, the Roddenberry hypothesis, that we make contact and they uh, uh, we... They we help each other along, and they help us, to, uh, and we help them, and you know it's mutually mutually beneficiary to both parties. Yeah, I consider that that one reasonably possible, anyways. Um, with the caveat that I don't think it would be a Star Trek world or universe where you just have you know people with weird heads, weird hands. Right. Um, I I really. I know I've said it on the show a few times. I think one of the biggest challenges will be recognizing um, that they're intelligent, maybe not intelligent, but recognizing that their life and just even communicating at all, like uh, like men and women can barely communicate with each other, <laughs> like uh, different uh, cultures on Earth can't, like uh, you know, yep. have s tremendous difficulty in inter interacting with each other, and we're all humans. <laughs> Like yeah. the idea that we would see some aliens and just like, oh, yeah, we all automatically have some affinity and we're able to communicate with them. I consider that very unlikely. That's actually one of the, my big takeaways still from the Forever War. There was a, a yeah. scene in there where they're just basically kind of walking across the plains and shooting these little animals or killing these plants or whatever and if only f to find out later that oh yeah that's the population yeah <laughs> oops well think about this as just a uh 
a first contact scenario, say that the the race that we contact aren't individuals. Say that they're like a hive mind. Okay, so uh, kind of like the uh, buggers in Ender's World. Mm-hmm. So say we send a ship to them with like half a dozen humans to make contact. Say say we've made some sort of contact by radio or some sort of communication like that. So we send a ship to them. And the first thing they do is take the ship, disassemble it, and uh, kill all the people. From their point of view, that would be a rational thing mm-hmm. for them to do because, oh, okay, you're sending us some of your – if they assume that we're a hive mind, you're sending us some of your drones. That's very nice. We'll dissect them, see how you work, and then try and figure out a way that we can talk to each other. Mm-hmm. That is not an aggressive thing. That is a totally rational thing right. for like a hive-type mind to do. Not and even for a us, hive mind. We'd do the same thing. Yeah. yeah like – yeah, we we very conceivably could yeah. if if we didn't recognize that these were intelligent. Oh, I think even beings if we did, like we'd still be able. Well, it, it, like if the guy walks off the spaceship and says, "Take me to your leader," we're not going to you know shoot him in the head and dissect him immediately. Um, right? You sure about that? Well, again, <laughs> I think that would be catastrophic <laughs> because if somebody has the technology to come, you know, from another you know solar system. And we, the first thing we do would execute their emissary. I think that would be a bad decision. What did we? Oh, the 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 attack the block um, right. show we just watched. I I still love that scenario of first contact, where you know it's nobody of any importance that actually makes first contact. It's, yeah, it's somebody in the middle of nowhere that's like, eh, what are you? You know, I don't know. Let's kill it. You know. Um, well, I included further down in our notes the uh, Gary Larson cartoon where uh, the uh, it says Edgar dooms the human race to uh, um, to destruction because it shows the spaceship landing and the aliens have two legs and it looks like an arm with a hand. And he says because he grasped the alien leader by his head and shook him violently. Oh, yeah. I remember that one. So, yeah, we could just – it would be very likely that – that any first contact w- would be uh, completely misinterpreted. You know, uh, you know, the intentions would be completely misinterpreted. Yeah, on on all sides. I mean, yeah. to me, and you know, everything goes back to Star Trek. But Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra. Yeah. Um, to me, that was one of the. I mean, that wasn't exactly first contact, but it it did show the struggles of two relatively similar species um trying to communicate yeah people hate that episode but i think that's one of the best star trek episodes it's really demonstrating the difficulties of of a first contact scenario oh shoot that's one of my that may be my favorite one because like the first contact uh you know in the movie where they you know the vulcans land and they walk off and like oh hello and you know everything's (laughs) like everything's fine and (laughs) Like I, I consider that like probably the modus, the most unlikely of one of the most unlikely scenarios, right? Right, and they're, and they're going to sit there, you know, looking at us weirdos while we're drinking beer and having a party. Yeah, I think we, I think of, uh, it's very likely we'll we would have uh, generations of uh, work to try and really establish any sort of communication. That rings a bell with something we've read, watched too. The heck was that? Uh, well, I know, like the Forever War, it takes them 
hundreds of years to figure out that the their the first contact that they had was just like kind of misinterpreted and the war started by accident. Right. And Which both is... thought that the other was the aggressor, right? Right. Yep. Does anybody else can remember a, a, an alien species that essentially looked like the devil, which is why we... Oh, that's oh. Uh, Arthur C. Clarke, uh, Childhood's End. Ah, okay. Yes, yes. There we go, there we go. Yeah, yeah. that was one where... that Speaking of generations. Yes, oh, okay, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it took them generations to basically get over the cultural you know, baggage that we have around the image of the devil and um, you know, be able to actually, you know... Look at them without you know being f- afraid and you know reacting at a gut level. So yeah, that the the patience and time. I mean, it, um, what was it? The movie Contact with Jodie Foster we watched yeah. was yeah. was showing how you know um, it, it, that that movie aside, but that whole practice of of watching the stars for for radio waves or some sign out there or something or other that we're trying looking for i mean that could go on for millennia and still and, and be you know it's but that whole idea for seti is based on the idea that there uh that other civilizations are going to be um Using the same kind of technology that we are, right. like we've really only been in the modern age for like a hundred years. Like say, say to the point where we developed the radio. Like uh, Marconi developed it in the what the late eighteen hundreds, yeah. right? Yeah. So say we, say a hundred and fifty years to be generous. We've been doing this. Well, say a hundred years from now, we discover okay, there's some other sort of tight band communication or whatever that doesn't involve radios at all and we go away from radios so for 250 years we used these radio waves that that we are looking for alien communication well if every other alien civilization only uses it for 250 years as well there's not going to be much out there at all right right? and and we're just assuming that oh once you get to this you're going to use this for the next million years and that might not be the case at all right no I do think radio is like the speed of light and chemistry. Radio waves are, to some extent, a constant out there. They they exist now. Whether or not you use them for communication, we can you know that's up yeah. for debate. But they are a thing, and so it would make sense that radio waves are you know to me the the two things that make sense are for communication because I live in 2014 are light and radio, some sort of you know. Um, spectrum, something on the on the electromagnetic spectrum of waves. So, but but, but we don't know everything. But let's say you've developed the kind of technology where you can move like uh, incredible distances, so like wormholes or whatever. But you're talking, you know, like where you have communicators who are you know several light years apart or or close to that. Well, radio is no good anymore. So right. maybe they've developed some sort of you know, wormhole technology where the emitting radio wave only travels a short distance and then it just gets transmitted, misses all the space in between, and then arrives at its destination. If we were uh, on a planet in the in-between thing, <laughs> we still wouldn't see it, right? We're flyover country. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah, so, well, I can relate to that. I was going to say, wow, <laughs> that's, yeah. Um, the other, you know, piece of communication that we have too i guess is um like dna is actually a kind of a form of communication so there is yeah. some sort of organic possibility for communication as well right 
Well, in the book, uh, now this isn't DNA, but uh, in the book Contact um, that Carl Sagan wrote that they made into the movie, um, one of the things that's that's different between that and the the movie in that when she's away on the other planet, uh, she asks, well, who built all this stuff? And he says, we don't know. It was already here. And he said, if you look... If you look hard enough, you'll find answers. And so she takes pi f- like to billions and billions of decimal places. And it, uh, when she does that, she finds out that pi becomes just a long series of ones and zeros, which makes an act- makes a picture. Uh, if you, I think the lines are, I can't remember. It's like a thousand by a thousand square, and it makes a picture of a circle or like a, squ- a circle within a square. And so essentially there's a message in pi. So that means that the like the universe was actually designed sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And that's you know somebody right in the fabric of how time and space work p- put a message in there. Right. And uh you know that would be a form of first contact. Like if somebody like if somebody did do that and then they found out holy crap when you get to two decimal two billion decimal places in pi all of a sudden, pi becomes ones and zeros. To me, that's that would be the only thing that would convince me of, like, quote-unquote, God, would be like, because in my mind, if there was a God, he, uh, you know, he, he told Bronze Age people that he was there by a pillars of fire and all that. Well, he would tell us by placing something, a message for us that we could find in the universe. And there are things that are constants. I mean, I don't think we've. I certainly don't think we've discovered everything. I don't think we know. Oh, like the speed of light's much. a constant. Yeah, yeah like but that is a constant. Yeah, you know, the There's, water freezes at a certain temperature and it yeah. boils at another. Those are constants. Um, yeah, so, like if the atomic weights of the elements were organized in such a way that they made some sort of a code or something. Uh, <laughs> That would be another thing, you know, like the like, well, and it's well, not inconceivable. Like I know when they, this is getting way off the thing, but I know, <laughs> but I know, like with the uh, the Higgs boson particle, right? They are saying now that the this idea that that there's multiverses, right? That there's multiple other multiverses, and it's quite likely that these other universes could be completely different, um, even in like their their universal constants and that, and that the way the Higgs field settles out in our universe, just kind of like, uh, like if you imagine um, like uh, a, a droplet of water crystallizing into a snowflake, it be, it's different every time. And that when the Higgs field settled in our universe, it allowed things like pi to be 3.14 and gravity to work the way it does. And all these, all these contents kind of came out just right. because of the way, things gelled up in our universe and that these other universes might be totally different. Yeah, you want to mess with the universe, change one of those constants. Yeah. Well, and that's just it. Like some of these universes, like there could be, there's potential there could be nothing there because it wouldn't allow for even the formation of matter, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and I was just trying to look up here because um, this week in Trek had an episode uh, Say, uh, with the idea from uh, it was uh, the next generation that um, there we were seated across yes, the universe here. That was one of my favorite ones too. Yes. That was a two-parter. And, it was a cliffhanger, right? And so that would explain the um, 
uh, you know, why the in the Star Trek universe, why the Vulcans and the Romulans and the uh, uh, everybody looks so similar is because that, that we shared this uh, the same G, uh, DNA, and that uh, there at the base there's this uh, sequence that's the same for all of us, uh, and that's our code. Didn't they? Like the the whoever had done it, the the Seers uh, or something like that. Was was this a TOS? Yes. Or a, a, no, no, no. Was, TNG. TNG. Yeah. Uh, I've got it here in front of me. I'm trying to look and see. Um, oh, and I'm not seeing it either. But, um, yeah, there was this race that uh, – and their thought was was that by doing this, uh, eventually when people figured it out, they would all come together and live in peace, love, and harmony. And and then the um, – I think the uh, Romulans left in a huff and um, – you know, it, it didn't work out the way that they should, but there's hopes that you know maybe this common bond would would bring all their civilizations together. That's sort of the idea for um, Arthur C. Clarke's 2001, is that these aliens show up, they pick the most promising race for develop intelligence, they monkeyed around. Haha. <laughs> 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 well, uh-huh. no pun intended. Uh, monkeyed around with their their brain with the. Um, the obelisk and uh, then they're like okay well if these guys ever do develop we want to know about it so the first place they'll go is their moon so we'll put one of these things there which will activate this other one that we've placed out by Saturn or Jupiter or whichever the book or the movie and uh, yeah so that's the same idea and and then once that gets activated oh hey it's kind of like it's like the timer has gone off on the stove oh dinner's ready (laughs) and they go oh and Take a then they can go and make contact. Oh, like these these people have progressed to the point that they're worth talking to now. The answer to your question about the TNG episode it was apparently was only one. It was called the Chase, and the uh, parent group doesn't really have a name. Oh, okay. Not that I can find. Yeah, I don't see one in here, but yeah, it was there. Yeah, their hopes that by uh, yeah seeding the common DNA that. Um, you know, we would live together, you know, or come together and, and learn to, you know, like one another. Well, that may take a while longer and a few more things. But, um, and, you know, uh, Daryl and Mike had fun ripping this episode apart. They, they, they did like it one more than the other. But, um, you know, the idea that this DNA wouldn't get mutated or something along the way seemed a little unlikely. But it did get mutated because you do see the differences between the races, right? Right. right. That's kind of the way I would thought it was. It was like the yeah, but yeah. that core DNA never uh, the the stuff that they were supposed to put together to make this message because it was like parts oh. of a, oh, yeah. parts yeah. parts of a secret message. Yep. You know that stuff never got. So when they brought all these DNA sequences together, then this message started playing. Right. Um, and the fact that that stuff was never mutated was, you know, seemed a little. Well, it was uh, fossilized. So anyway, sure. whatever. Yeah. Let's not yeah. pick that episode no, apart. No, no, but no. yeah, it uh, it it does kind of speak to that thing though of you know a message embedded in DNA. So it's not radio waves and it's not light pulses it's you know essentially chemical yeah 
And you know, and who knows? Maybe somebody else has developed, uh, you know, uh, telekinetic powers or something where they communicate, you know, through um, brain waves or something that we haven't discovered yet and don't know how to detect even. Wouldn't that be an interesting first contact? You know, they speak telepathically, and we're sitting there shouting at them and thinking they're stupid, and they're looking at us going get with it you know <laughs> well you know we always mock people about the voices in their head you know? <laughs> well, did we do um oh i can't think of what the book is called now but it's the book where it's in the future and uh, the french foreign legion is still there the uh, legion of the damned yeah i think we have because they there's a first contact with the planet that it's all water. There's like two percent of it is oh, yeah. has a landmass, and the uh, intelligent life is giant rafts of seaweed that have just been there for so long that they developed uh, some sort like the uh, connections in the seaweed developed like a like a neural network, mm-hmm. and that's how like um, the humans had set up like an observation or uh, like a research station there. And they'd been there for a couple of years, and then the one scientist realized that she was having these dreams, and it was something trying to communicate with her through her dreams, and it was these huge rafts of seaweed. Hmm. Like, I like that's one of the things that I like that I don't consider it likely, but I consider it something so weird like that is probably likely. It'll be something that we can't even imagine. Right. Yeah, I I kind of with you on that one. I think we limit ourselves to, you know, our own senses, our own perceptions, our own imagination. I mean, the the I, what am I trying to say? Ontology recapitulates phylogeny is what I'm trying to say. But um, the the fact that you don't invent things until you're ready to invent things, you know, like the uh, theory of evolution. Um, there were like three people, I think, working on that at the same time. Two yeah. were neck and neck. And yeah. it was basically the first one to be published and funded is the one that we all remember. And the only reason that happens is because there's this body of knowledge that had gone previously that had accumulated that all of a sudden made that uh, conclusion, you know, possible. You couldn't have made it 500 yeah. years earlier because all of that groundwork hadn't been laid. And at the same we time as Darwin was doing the, like, developing the theory of evolution there was somebody else because he didn't know how this was being passed on but at the same time there was that monk that was figuring out genetics right yeah but these two guys in their lifetimes never hooked up together to put these two things that were totally entwined but never never put them together yeah and so i think this idea of us with and first contact we we really can't imagine it because we don't have enough of that background that that base that you know information to build upon to actually you know first off imagine it and secondly deal with it yeah um we we only you know our imagination is limited by what we know and and you know think of you know like a a phone an iphone um a hundred and two hundred years ago 500 years ago it wasn't even a thing to imagine i mean it just it just wasn't well, and you know, I keep thinking of um, Arthur Clarke's quote that uh, any yeah. it's sufficiently advanced science is indistinguishable from magic. Well, you know, there might be, you know, like I say again, it goes back to the imagination thing. And would we be able, you know, if if we can't imagine it, can we recognize it? Well, and, yeah, and that imagine it, and the iPhone's a great example because um, until somebody imagined it, we couldn't 
put it together. You know, people give a lot of credit to Star Trek for things like communicators and tricorders and warp drives and whatever for planting those seeds of imagination into scientists' brains who then made it happen. You know, like an an iPhone, an iPad, was supposed to be 400 years in the future. You know, um, here we are, 40 years later, and we all, you know, they're just commonplace. So... (laughs) Um, it's the imagination that's the hardest part of the equation, I think. Same with first contact. I just I don't think we can yeah. even really imagine it. Because uh, well, all of our first contacts, like we were talking about earlier, there have been like you know um, colonial conquests, and somebody wins and somebody loses, and yeah, that's <laughs> it. We don't have many more, you know, role models or scripts than that one. Yeah, let's hope for something better because when the shoe's on the other foot here, um, you know, how are we going to react? So what happens if first contact doesn't happen on Earth? What happens if we go somewhere and do first contact there? That's probably the safest. <laughs> that, I think so, too. Because I, I think one of the probably the worst, uh, well, you know, like... Uh, if some if if you bring a friend to uh, like a fam a family reunion and he's, this person never met any of your family, and all of a sudden they go in, then it's just random who they meet first. They could meet weird Uncle Louie or you know whatever. Right. So, I would like to think that you know we're sending the best and brightest humans on a mission to go someplace. Those would probably be a good cross section of people for, you know, to put our best foot forward for uh, introducing ourselves to somebody else. Yeah, you, you, not those, uh, you know, hermits, mm-hmm. hippies, or whatever, living in the Montana yeah. mountains, drinking moonshine. Yeah, <laughs> you, there's an awful lot of people down here. Well, that uh, there's that line from uh, oh, the comedian that died who had the ponytail. Why can't I think of George oh. Carlin? Oh. He said, just think of all the people that you know, like you're from all of your relatives, all of your acquaintances, all of those people. Just pick a just a, just an average typical guy, just a middle of the road person. Half of the people on the planet are stupider than that guy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I was like, yeah, that's right. Yep. <laughs> There's a lot of people that uh, probably wouldn't want to represent the rest of us. Yeah. Yeah. Which is going kind of going back to that attack the block scenario. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, come down, they're gonna go, hey, whatever, yeah. boom. You know, let's sell it, eBay. Um, anyway, oh, we've got a couple other hypotheses here. Yes. That we haven't talked about. I don't even know what they mean. Well, which, which one do we want to go to? Leave off. Well, I uh, think the, there's the, the meh hypothesis. I yeah. What that was one. that? Yeah, I, that's. It's just basically we discover life and we go, eh, okay. You know, like if we discover that there's life on Mars or maybe a brief, oh, you know, yeah. sensation, but then we'll kind of, it'll all go back to normal and, you know, uh, our lives won't change a lot. Um, you know, just, and I guess, I guess I would be contact, but it would be, you know, not life changing contact yeah. like they brought down hyperdrive or something. I, See, I, I think we're probably to the point that if uh, the Curiosity rover, found like single celled life on Mars. I think we're to the point that that probably wouldn't cause too many ripples on earth. Like it would cause huge ripples in the scientific community, but I think the average person at large gonna, eh. would just like, "Oh, that's kind of interesting." And right. I don't think it like I don't think it's going to be a huge conflict of uh 
of uh, yeah, faith not- or, you know, it's not going to shake us to the, our, now, if, if the, uh, if a spaceship landed and, you know, you know, we have Marvin the Martian shaking hands with the Curiosity rover, that's going to, that's definitely different than that. And that I think that uh, to, to know that we're not alone and that there's other intelligence out there, that's different. But uh, I think we're, we're, I think, the human race is probably okay with the idea that there probably is life of a single cell or simple nature in other places. Right. But now that kind of leads to the, uh, the next one on our list here, which is the Orson Welles hypothesis. You know, the, um, the world, the war, uh, war of the worlds, uh, episode they did on radio that everybody freaked out. Now let's say for instance, that the Mars Rover suddenly pulls up this thing that looks like a bone. Um, you know, uh, and, I could see people all of a sudden, oh, maybe there is actual, you know, real life, something that uh, I think the average person could relate to. Single-celled organisms, the average person isn't going to relate to. But, yeah, let's say they pull out something that resembles a bone and that maybe there was some sort of, uh, you know, higher forms of life there on Mars. Then people might start freaking out and then thinking about what – uh, then the conspiracy theories start to roll, and then you get the Area 51 crowd kind of kicking in. And yeah. Um, if yeah, okay, let's say they found bunnies on Mars tomorrow. Really, I think I'd still just go meh, whatever. Yeah, I really, I mean, when you talk about life-changing events and whatever, um, what's that supposed to change? I mean, I. Man. I don't think, yeah, I don't think it would. For, yeah, from a da- from a daily life perspective, if we found bunnies yeah. on Mars, um, it would be, oh, well, I guess we're stupid because we used to say there wasn't any life anywhere in the universe besides on good old Mother Earth. Yeah. That's about the biggest thing that we would take away from that. Probably the, the biggest change would be, uh, rather than just kind of like, oh, maybe we should go to Mars at some point. Yeah. I think then there would be a big push, okay, we have to send people to Mars. I think, yeah, that, I think you're that, right. I think that would really push yeah. that forward. Yes. But other th- I think you're right. Other than that, there, you, I don't think it's going to change things on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. I think that if we, you know, if we make contact with extraterrestrial intelligence, I think it could have a real unifying factor for humanity in that like okay, well, why are we fighting over all of these stupid things? Like, like <laughs> nothing unites warring factions like all having to unite to go to war against somebody else, right? <laughs> like the uh, you know the Persian invasion in, of Greece really united all of the Greek city states into you know we don't need to fight with each other. We need all need to band together to fight the Persians, right? So now that's <laughs> that's positive and negative at the same time. But well, I could see. Um nations fighting over who uh you know let's say they have some technology you know who who's going to benefit from this um i could see you know the 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 communist countries or whatever's left of them you know wanting to have it to protect themselves in the free nations um i could see dividing lines there about who was going to control um the benefits of meeting a uh, alien civilization, be it technological or you know some sort of information technology or or something, I could see there being some uh, conflict going on there over that. I, I I don't know that we'd be brought. I I don't know that we'd be brought together. I could see a lot of uh, arguing over who is going to benefit from it. Yeah, 
I, I, it would be interesting to see the effect that it would have on relig- world religions as well, because oh, yeah. every world, well, every world religion I can think of is really kind of based on the idea that there's nobody else other than us, and I think that would really shake relig- world religions if there was all of a sudden something else like well, like with Christianity. Well, if they've never heard of Jesus. What does that mean for the Christian religion? Right. You know, that uh, God created these other people as well and decided not to tell them about him? It's like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, there's there's some, there's some, even, well, heck, the the Pope I, has a, a history at this point of saying things that it, people who have, you know, uh, deep roots in the church keep going, what? As in, recently he said, dogs go to heaven, you know. Oh, oh, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, he had to backtrack off that. And frankly, I don't, my take on it, I haven't followed it that close, but my take on it is I don't know that he backtracked on it, but everybody around him did. You know, it's like, no, 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 we can't be saying that, man. <laughs> so, um, yeah. dude, what are you saying? <laughs> I know, that's basically it. So, there, yeah, that whole thing would be interesting to watch. Um, go down, but yeah, it, it's going to have to be some sort of, you know, intelligent life form that, you know, almost humanoid before I think that would be a serious issue. Mm. I don't know. It's back to the things that you can't imagine because you can't <laughs> imagine them. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, you know, the, you know like I said, the the next, you know, we got a couple hypotheses here. Like the next one is we actually make contact, but then somebody goes and screws it up because of their, you know, political or religious beliefs or whatever, and then they, uh, the aliens, you know, back off or whatever. They're kind of like the, uh, the movie Contact, where we actually we were going to make contact, but then somebody blows up the, uh, the device that they had built. Uh, that they'd be sent through space with because they just didn't want people to find out or people to know. There's a, there's going to be people who are going to try and stop um, any first contact that we make just because it will upset things as they know it or upset their uh, balance of power or something. You know, that's... The other th- oh, go ahead. Okay, the other thing with contact is that uh, it's almost like a, a test that we've passed some sort of test, like in that we were able to build the machine, and it's just kind of like, okay, well, we're off here doing our own things. If you guys, we'll set this out for you, and if you're able to do this, then you're worth talking to. Space, That's kind of like the... Space Odyssey 2001, too. Yeah, yeah, it's the kind of the entry requirements. Okay, now you're to the point that we'll pull you over here, we'll have a conversation, then we'll send you back, and we won't talk to you for some length of time to let you guys just kind of <laughs> calm down and Grow up. you know you know figure out how you're going to deal with this because we're okay without you <laughs> yep. and uh you know we'll talk to you again at some point that's kind of com- matter of fact that's real common in sci-fi that scenario of you know when you're ready we'll be here um but yeah, yeah the other we're not, thing that's, we're not going anywhere <laughs> yeah we're not going anywhere just you know grow up basically yeah. um but the other thing that th- that implies you know contacted that too is this idea of time where this first contact is this thing that goes on and we can prepare for and do whatever as opposed to, you know, boom, they show up and there they are. You know, everybody knows. There's no keeping secrets. There's no government conspiracies. They're just right there. Um, I don't know. You know, it's interesting that we often think of it as it, as the first contact being some sort of 
of um, private knowledge of yeah. some group of people, whether it's government or people doing mashed potatoes in their kitchen table. Um, you know, so uh, yeah, it's it's interesting that we have that as a paradigm even the idea that first contact is going to be something that only a small group of people get to deal with see and that's kind of a, a sci-fi trope in that you know the, the the u.s government keeps it away from everybody else or whatever i think it's something that if if first contact is managed it won't be managed from our end like it'll be the aliens deciding who they're going to talk to or how they're going to present themselves and if they want to be seen by everybody, they'll be seen by everybody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, because if they spend any time, you know, if they're going to make contact with us, hopefully they're watching us, watching our newscast and everything. And they can see that, you know, uh, certain people want to control things. And if they want to get the message to the people um, for the best benefit, uh, you know, it depends what their intentions are. Yeah. And boy, are we anthropomorphizing aliens here. Totally, yeah. They might be totally fine with that. Like, oh, yeah, well, this is is what you need to do. Yeah. Oh my! See, that's the thing. We we do. We anthropomorphize everything, which is why I think with this trying to imagine what a first contact is like usually just turns into a bunch of rabbit holes. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, I'll throw this last one out here just to kind of finish off this list. It's, uh, they call it the alienation hypothesis, kind of what we saw in District 9, that these guys just get lost and they crash land here. And then it's um, kind of what where we're at with the, the whole immigration policy in this country where we have these beings that uh, uh, here we have to support them. How are we going to do this? How are we going? We don't necessarily like their culture. They're stuck here. What do we do with them? They suddenly become a problem. And we have, as a you know, as a society, we have to figure out what to do with them. Yeah. That's very uh, arrogant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like these these aliens come all the way here, and then they're a burden to us. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, oh, well. So, or like in the the movie. Uh, uh, the TV show V, where they they came here and they were living amongst us, but you know they had ulterior motives too. That I, I boy, it's been a long time since I watched that show. You know but. that living amongst us is an interesting first contact thing. I mean, f- we mentioned it as far as going to their planets, but th- that is a legitimate. I mean, to me, anthropomorphizing again, but you know, assuming that they're aliens that could somehow blend in and hide, and you know. That's the best way to learn about another culture, yeah. another people, another planet. Go there, you know. Um, live there for a while. See how it works. Um, yeah, but again, trying to keep that secret, or that's, that's the tricky part. The stuff that I included in the notes, um, kinda, I'll, <laughs> the one that's next on the list, I'll leave that until the end. I should have put that at the end. But the uh, tie into what you just said, Julie, there's two things. There's the Fermi paradox, which is uh, Fermi, who worked on the atomic bomb, said uh, more or less with the number of stars and the potential number of planets and you know the fact that we evolved here, where's all the aliens? There should be tons of aliens, and we don't see any. So that was kind of you know the question there. And the thing that you just said, uh, von Neumann said that the logical way to explore the universe would to be to build self self replicating machines 
called von Neumann devices that you would send it out and then it would just kind of like extract resources um, and then make a copy of itself and send that out. So it's the, and then, you know, I told two friends and they told two friends and they told two friends and then explore the universe that way. So then you're not sending yourself out. So that's would be the perfect way. Cause if you did come across an alien race, this, you know, this remote, device could just like okay i'm just gonna i found life i'm just gonna sit down here and collect information on it and then go back and uh and take that information back to earth or back to wherever it's from and so so these two things are like okay where's all the aliens um because you would think that there there should be lots of them and the other thing is uh where's the von neumann devices because anybody that's intelligent enough to evolve to you know to the state we're at or beyond, the first step of exploration would logically be to build self-replicating machines. So why haven't we seen any of these things? And why haven't we built one? Well, because <laughs> we've built one thing that's been able to, you know, almost get out of the solar system, and that was that taxed Viger. us to the limits. Viger. Yeah. And it all goes back to Star Trek. I know. <laughs> So some of the other stuff that I added is kind of uh, points we've hit already. So we, uh, uh, our first contact is with somebody who's unaware or they're just totally uninterested in our existence. Like if we picked up some radio chatter or something like that and just like, yeah. We got to read the book Earth we, one of these days. I, I, yeah, I started that because it, it was on our list. Yeah, we got we to do that one of these days. Yeah, and they just... They're just un you know, like okay, well, you know, kind of like get off the our radio. We don't want to talk to you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, uh, rendezvous with Rama. You know, the whole we, that whole thing. Like, oh, this is you know, this is our first contact. Oh, the alien race, and they're like, oh, it's they didn't even know we were here. They just passed through, and you know, we're completely un- unaffected by us. Uh. So another one that I read was uh, they're aware of us, but our actions force them to reveal themselves. So that was like the idea that we develop a point to a point where we're we have the ability, and we're this is well beyond us now, but um, we're going to do something that will negatively impact our neighbors that we don't know we have. So they're aware that we're over there. Just like okay, we're going to leave those guys to themselves, and. Then we develop some sort of technology like, hey, 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 if they do that, that's going to screw up, you know, whatever we've got going on here. So we're going to go over there and, hey, like, you know, the, this is us. We're your neighbors. And this thing you're about to do is messing with our <laughs> – messing with us. So you've got to stop it. Um, we also talked about domination and subjugation. So the – which I – I don't know about what you guys think. I think that's pretty unlikely. Like, if you're going to go all the way across, you know, between the stars, go all that way just to be a bully. Wow. How pathetic are you? <laughs> you mean kind of like Stargate last week? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, why? Right. <laughs> and resource acquisition, I think, is probably just as dumb. Like, uh, the whole thing... You know, that's become a trope in sci-fi mainly because we didn't realize how common these things were everywhere else. Like, you know, like the idea of coming all the way, you know, from wherever they're from to extract water when you could go to any one of 
any number of planets, it now seems like, that are huge, monstrous oceans of water. Right. And nobody's there to, you know, you know, try and fight you off. Yeah. Why bother? Yeah. So so you're saying the stockpile of unobtainium that I'm sitting on is completely useless? Well, <laughs> hold on to it for now, Mike. <laughs> okay. All right. There might be hope. Yeah. All right. You can use it to trade with when uh, the aliens do come. There sure. you go. Um, another one was they need us for some reason. So like, like you mentioned with Stargate last week, you know, that alien race was dying and he needed, uh, people to, I don't know if he took over the person or assumed their shape or what he did, yeah. but for some reason they need us like, a not a resource thing, but they need us for some specific reason. Yeah, symbiotic or something. Um, yeah, that would cause them to initiate contact with us. And then uh, we can see each other, but we can't communicate, which I personally think this is pretty likely. Like, we, yeah. we establish some sort of, we see something, we, 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 you know, intercept a radio signal, we, you know, whatever. We have some sort of contact, but we're just unable to communicate in any meaningful way because our uh, just even our ways of thinking are just so, you know, far beyond, so so vastly separated from each other that we can't really even communicate at all. Uh, the last thing which I had up which, before, which which, which <laughs> says that one possibility is is that we are totally surrounded by aliens right at this very moment and don't know it. Yeah, yeah. Well, like uh, there's. We we haven't really hit on this yet, but there there is a kind of a, a ongoing trope for uh, alien movies where they they want our art or they're somehow affected by our music or something like that. I think that could very well be that uh, because our senses are in a very very narrow band, like we only hear in a very narrow range, we only see in a very narrow visual uh, visual range. And uh, like, if you ever see those uh, like ultraviolet um, spectrum pictures, so more or less what insects see, and flowers are all lit up with like ultraviolet reflectors and stuff like that to guide bees in for pollen and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think it could be quite likely <laughs> that an alien who has a even a slightly broader range of the visual spectrum would come and take a look at any of our visual art and saying that's the most boring hideous stuff <laughs> ever like wh- why do you right. hold cuz in in a lot of sci-fi we hold that up as like this is our greatest achievement and this is what they're after as our music or or whatever it is and uh, you know if you had aliens that even heard in a broader audio range than we did our music could be totally you know, meaningless or boring or, or just annoying to them, right? Yeah. Um, I think that's another thing that's, you know, or, or you could culturally have aliens that just have no interest whatsoever in any sort of aesthetic, you know, music, sound, or, you know, uh, visual or, or right. stuff like that, right? Just because, because like you were saying, we, we're, we're anthropomorphizing, you know, these potential aliens into, in that they will be emotionally affected by things the same way we are. And that's really probably very unlikely. Right. Yeah. No <laughs> so doubt. the last thing that I had written down, which personally I think is kind of depressing, <laughs> the, the idea that, well, somebody has to be first. And <laughs> there is the potential that we're it. 
Like that's oh boy, true. That <laughs> that is one of many possibilities. Yeah, that so is yeah. And there, there is nobody else out there. It which, is possible. Yeah, which uh, personally, probable, probable, I can, no, no, possible, yeah, yeah. yes. Yeah. Which is weird. Why? No, let's not us be first, please. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah. No. Uh. Uh-uh. If we're if we're at the high end of the technology scale here. Yeah. yeah. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We're sorry, universe. <laughs> oh, anyway, all right. So, anything else we need to mention? We're... Well, why don't we say? What, what, what do you guys think? Which one do it's you guys likely? think is the most likely? Yeah. Instead of our normal, uh, what tech yep. do we want? <sighs> it's hard, isn't it? It is. I, yeah. I go back and forth between the meh, you know, yeah, whatever. You know, we finally reach out to the stars and find somebody and they go, yeah, whatever. Or um, I suppose the other one, and maybe it's more the one I want that rather than the one I think is probable is the whole idea of some sort of I don't want to call them benefactors but these people watching over us until we grow up and get to be of a certain thing when they you know step up and say okay let's talk um, I think it's going to be more I call it the attack the block syndrome where they're going to plunk down in the middle of average America or average world uh, not just America uh, not anybody that would recognize them for what they are, what their potential is, and they could possibly uh, decide they look yummy to kill them because they don't understand them, consider them a threat and get rid of them, uh, and not understand their true nature. So I'm thinking that's, you know, when if they come here, that would be the most likely uh, that they're going to not land where the people who know what to do with them are going to be they're not going to be there. It's going to be the just the average people, and who knows how they may react. Right. Hmm. I think I, I I would side with you, Julie, in that uh, I hope we're probably already. I hope we're already being watched, and that uh, you know when when they figure that we're ready for it, that they, they would reveal themselves. I think that would be ideal. But I think the most likely thing is that we've we've been doing so well in the last 10 years at uh, spotting planets in other solar systems and, uh, you know, SETI and all these other things. I think it's really a matter of time before we see some pretty definitive evidence of like, uh, you know, one of these planets we find um, if they see like evidence of like artificial structures around it or, or something like that, I think we are going to see or, or, intercept uh, radio transmissions or something like that that will show us this is an organized uh, you know transmission or this is a artificial structure or we will see or intercept something that will show us but at the same time I don't think it will be directed at us it's just like we will see evidence that is almost indisputable that of something uh, an intelligence that is out there it is a big universe and we are but a tiny speck Yes. And so even, you know, if they're looking, it would take a while. Yep. Even if we're looking, it would take a while. We have gone for a long time. I'm, this has been awesome because, like... This has been fun. This has been. <laughs> we need to do this every now and then. Just take a step back and talk about some of the threads that go through the different things that we do. So, yay. 
But we're going to have to wrap up this episode of Sci-Fi Tech Talk. You can check us out at SciFiTechTalk.com, where there's cool space junk available for purchase, or you can follow us on Twitter at SciFiTechTalk. If you have ideas or comments, please send them to SciFiTechTalk at gmail.com, and reviews on iTunes are always welcome. Which reminds me, before we depart, I have to um, share that... One of our listeners named Daryl, uh, when we threw the question out, you know, okay, how do you think um, first contact's going to go down? I think he said it's going to go down with yo, fist bump, yo. And that was that. (laughs) (laughs) So there we go. (laughs) Um, So, uh, uh, Mike, where can folks find you out on uh, the interwebs? Uh, I can be found on Twitter at DSC Chipman, and I have my about.me page at about.me slash Mike McPeak. That's M-C-P-E-E-K. And Jeff, where can folks find you? Uh, people can follow me on Twitter at Bronco Sire. That's S-Y-E-R. And if you're looking to uh, see us in person, they've just announced the dates for Nerdtacular this year. And Julie and I will be there. I think you're going to be there almost for sure, right? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, and so and Mr. Uh, Mike McPeak uh, might, we'll uh, see. might we'll see. make an appearance there. So we'll see. No Excellent. Doubt. Okay. Well, uh, oh me, me. You can be found on Twitter <laughs> at Julie Keel, J U L I E K U e h l and links to other blogs podcasts and whatever else i've got going on can be found at about.me slash julie keel and that's it for this show happy holidays everyone and we will see you in the future